Hello, I'm Susan Dunlop and welcome to episode 32 of Coffee and Contemplation with Susan. I'm a life and business coach here in Noosa on the Sunshine Coast, Queensland, Australia. And I started this podcast for the purpose of people sharing story, you know, real authentic people who are doing amazing things. And I think sometimes you've got no idea who you're actually living next to. So getting these people to come forward, share their stories, showing some vulnerable human side, the darkness and the light that results from life experiences, there's some successes and lessons learnt and I don't know giving their insights and hope and a smile to the people listening into the podcast it's been listened to in eight countries and has now close to 1600 listens I saw this morning so that's pretty exciting today's guest was referred to me by one of my earliest guests uh, Ray of episode three and in her sharing of choosing to say no to a career path set by her father when she was a late teen and leaving school she chose a career she loved. And sharing that one little part of her story with us in episode three, a friend of hers spoke to her and said, ah, I wonder whether I was doing the same thing to my own daughter. It was a, it was a beautiful recognition of the importance of sharing a story because you just don't know who's listening. So if it can make a difference to one person's life, that's all that matters. So today's guest is Mish and Mish and Ray meet regularly and Ray and I mosaic together regularly. And Ray often shares with me how intuitive this Mish is in her healing and remedial massage work. She keeps referring me to go and get a massage with her. So I thought, oh, Mish has to come on the podcast. I want to hear more. At the same time I was thinking that, Ray told me that she was going to a book launch on the Saturday of Mish's book, Truth Seeker. That was just a few weeks ago. So that's all that synchronicity again of, you know, people aligning at the right time. And I think as a coach, the words truth seeker is pretty exciting to me. So I really wanted to hear more about that. Mish Thurlow is a teacher, a yogi, a mentor, and now a writer. She currently supports clients in their journeys of rehabilitation as an allied health assistant with Total Rehab Solutions here on the Sunshine Coast in Australia. Mish has over 10 years of experience working with people and the body, the mind and spirit connection. She's got a Bachelor of Applied Science in Exercise and Sports Science from the University of Sydney, has a 300-hour Jiva Mutki Yoga Certificate and Certificate 3 and 4 in Fitness from TAFE, New South Wales. I didn't really mean to be reading out her bio, but I just happened to be interested, so I'm going to read it out. Uh, she also has a diploma in secondary education from the University of the Sunshine Coast and an advanced diploma in remedial massage from Demi International on the Sunshine Coast. So she's definitely well-rounded in her work in the wellness industry. I think we'll just kick off here. Welcome, Mish. Thank you so much for having me today, Susan. I'm so excited to be here with you. I think, I think we're going to have a lovely, bright talk today, going by all the lovely things that you work in. <laughs> yeah, I um, I was preparing for to have this little chat with you this morning, and I felt super joyful and and excited. And I think I've heard a lot about you from uh, one of my clients who I treat for Massage Ray. I think that it's it's great to be here. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to having a conversation with you. And I think it's very good now I've actually pressed record because you and I could have just chatted forever just before we started. So <laughs> I think it's, it's time we actually have the, the conversation online. So online. What I what I thought today is how about we start first with, um, we'll go back first, uh, not too far, but to your leap of faith 11 years ago. And then we'll see where our chat takes us from there because I'd love to hear more about your book and, you know, the finding the light and truth-seeking piece. So what do you think? Is that okay? That sounds fantastic. Okay. So what I know of you is that you moved to Sydney from South Africa 11 years ago to begin your wellness journey. Was that your own wellness journey or to be of service in the wellness space? So when I moved to Sydney, I was 18 years old 
And so I think it was a little bit of both because when you're 18 and you've just finished school, you're in the space of trying to find yourself and who you are and you know what you want to do in the world, especially if you're going to go to university. And so I came over to Australia by myself to study and I wanted to study something that could be of assistance to other people. I think that it's a little bit of both my own wellness and then helping others too. So originally I wanted to study medicine. And when I first came to Australia, I started studying exercise and sports science. That made me realize that I wanted to very much be a part of the prevention of disease rather than, say, the cure, which is what modern medicine is more about. Yes, okay. So do you have much in the way of Eastern and Western mix in what you do? Yeah, a little bit, more so from the yoga practice that I've studied as well, and then a little bit from the Ayurvedic side of my massage course that I did, and then just my own interests. I sort of weave it into the modern sort of exercise and sports science, um, and then remedial massage. I like to think there's this beautiful like combination of East and West North and South. (laughs) In South Africa, obviously, you're only 18 and you've decided to take a leap of faith. When was it that you had this interest come up for you that you were going to A, study in another country or by yourself away from your parents, but in in relation to wellness? So when I was growing up, uh, it was always going to be a plan for my parents to sort of support me in my journey to Australia because my mom was actually born in Adelaide. So she's Australian and she moved to South Africa when she was three years old and met my dad there and, you know, my brother and I grew up there. But when we were born, my mum applied for Australian citizenship for us. So I had that sort of gateway to come and study in Australia. And Sydney University was a really well-known university. Uh, I always wanted to travel. And so instead of taking a gap year, I thought I'll just move to another continent and and study something that I love. <laughs> How did you like um, that life of Sydney? I came from Sydney, so we oh, spent great. a lot of time, you know, cruising through Newtown and whatnot. So, what what was life like in Sydney for you? Yeah. Oh my goodness, it was absolutely crazy because I came from South Africa, from a small town that didn't have a petrol station, uh, hardly had any restaurants, had three roads. Uh, you know, only a couple of hundred people. And I came to Sydney to study. And in my lecture hall, there would have been more than 400 people in in a lecture at Sydney University. And so I think it was a massive culture shock initially. Through my first couple of years, I believe now reflecting on it that I was actually quite depressed because I had been away from my family. And so initially, when I was so young, you know, as you do, you try and meet people and make friends. And uh, I got into like a lot of drinking, you know, I drank almost every day just to try and meet people. And I would go home, which was lovely. And I'd spoke, I speak to my mum every day on Skype, which was a blessing. But yeah, my sort of my hair fell out. And um, I sort of got really, really caught up and lost until I started practicing yoga in 2012. And that, re- that really brought me back to myself and and help me find uh, the path that I was seeking. And, and was that in Sydney that you did the yoga? In, in Newtown, yeah. 
I was, was it? Ah, okay. Yeah, so Jiva Mukti Yoga was a studio in the in the back alleys of Newtown. Uh, very alternative, especially back then. You know, all vegan teachers and students, and uh, you know, practicing yoga, this ancient uh, Hindu basically tradition, uh, singing Sanskrit, uh, singing to harmonium, and uh, you know, just completely out there. But I uh, went by chance, you know, as you and I are sitting here, just uh, from an, a sequence of events of serendipity, uh, mm. the same thing happened for my yoga practice. So the uh, one of my best friends I was living with at the time, she said, oh, do you want to come to this yoga class with me? And I thought, oh, yeah, I was doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu and kickboxing at the time. Uh, so it's a martial arts discipline. And then so I went to a class with her and I never stopped going. Jiva Mukti Yoga is uh, was founded by Sharon Gannon and David Life in America, in, in New York. And their style of teaching is, I guess you could say the physical practice, is very much like Ashtanga. It's a, it's more, it's a strong practice. But the thing I love the most about it, and something that I've not found in, in the way that modern day yoga teachers teach, is that you have these five tenets in the Jiva Mukti Yoga practice. So you've got um, bhakti, which is devotion in Sanskrit. Uh, so it's uh, devotion, like love, basically, to your spiritual path. You've got ahimsa, which is non-harming, which is, uh, you know, your diet, being kind and compassionate to all living beings. You've got nada, which is sound yoga or the yoga of sound, uh, which is um, singing and, and repeating mantras, which are affirmations. You've got dhyana, which is meditation or focus. And then you've got the scripture, which is, uh, you know, all of the ancient yogic texts that are really a really practical way on, on how to live our lives. Um, it's how you choose to live your life, really. Um, do you teach this yoga on the Sunshine Coast? Um, so I trained to teach Jiva Mukti Yoga in India in 2015 because of the other jobs that I'm doing at the moment and also just finished writing my book. Uh, I haven't currently been teaching, but it is something that I would always like to go back to. Oh, I could imagine so many people would like that. I know people are right now, I think because of COVID even, just trying to find a, a better balance and and even just being able to attend your usual yoga class is hard because yeah. of, you know, numbers of people. And so it's just, yeah, the, there's just that shift in that peaceful space. Some people haven't got that. But if they can get a more of a holistic, peaceful space, I think you'd be on a winner for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's yeah. maybe in the pipes, in the pipeline, you know, <laughs> to be able to open up a wellness centre where I can do massage and I can teach yoga and we can, you know, talk about nutrition and compassionate living. It would be mm. a dream, a dream of mine. Oh. <laughs> Amazing then. So that's it's interesting how that was just the serendipity that you actually managed to have a person that was at the uni with you that led you to that. And this is your bigger, brighter life now that you're, you know, you're rolling out as a book writer and <laughs> and everything. I know it's 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 wonderful, really. Hey, and what I thought we might do is we'll talk because I, I am really keen to hear about your book about truth seeking. So the book is called Truth Seeker. What led you to write a book about truth seeking and finding your light? Truth Seeker, Finding the Light That Colors Your Life uh, is very much has a foundation in the yoga practice because it changed, changed my life. I, I reckon it saved my life because when I started practicing yoga, I really was, I felt so lost. 
I, you know, like I said, I was drinking and I just had no sense of self or direction. I was in Australia, I was studying, I was, you know, trying to do all these different things and didn't really know what I was here for. <laughs> through through practicing, it, it helped me, you know, I saw your Instagram post this morning about Martin Luther King's quote. And it says, you know, you've got asking the questions of who you are, what is my purpose, and how am I here to serve? Yoga has an aspect of it called seva. It is a Sanskrit word which means service, yeah, mm. devotional service. So the type of service where you do you do something out of love for the the bigger picture, the divine, you know, in life. And I think that's what this book is very much about. It was it was my seva for everything that I've learned over the last ten years coming to Australia everything that I went through before I started practicing yoga and then having started practicing yoga and then doing my teacher training, everything my parents have taught me, I wanted to be able to almost not let my not let that knowledge go to waste kind of thing. So I wanted to be able to put it all into a book, to be able to give it to the people that I love and to the people that maybe needed to hear some of the things that I went through to have a little bit more guidance. I thought when I first started writing uh, with Emma Franklin Bell, my writing coach, I said to her, I wish that I had have been given this book when I was at this specific point in my life. And I think that was when I started practicing yoga. And so I, I often say, if, uh, if there's something you want to say and there isn't a book out there that says it, then you need to write it. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you have. And so, and yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, obviously with support of my loving family and friends and Emma as well, I couldn't have done it with, without all of them. But, yeah, I managed, to, I managed to do it. And in three months I wrote the book with Emma and then I self-published which also took three months uh, with Ingram Spark, um, and they've been great too. And just was very easy, straightforward. My friend Jacinta Whittington uh, from Sage and Salt Art uh, illustrated it. So yeah, I had a lot of support, and it was a really a creative process. You know, processing everything that I've learned over the last ten years. <laughs> And interesting too, wasn't it then, that obviously all those three-month sets was in 2020 when everyone's lives were changing. So you were ready to help, help yeah. that journey continue for them too. So Exactly. And, th- and there was also in itself an uh, act of serendipity because in 2020, I was supposed to go to New York. Um, I'd won a trip over there to go in May. And because of 2020, I couldn't go. In May, I saw an advert for Emma's free writing course, which I did, and then I started working with her. So it was like, yeah, I couldn't do this one thing. So that door closed, and then this other door opened, and I did, you know, this other thing, which I feel like has enriched my life potentially so much more than a trip to New York would have. (laughs) That's amazing, isn't it? So you've managed to capture such a beautiful essence of everything that's made you who you are to now, and, you know, you're only still on the the journey, like you're nowhere near through the journey. So gosh, imagine what else you can do. Absolutely. Well, I think that's the case for all of us is that, you know, that we have so much potential within us to create Mm -hmm. and to, and to live our lives to its fullest capacity. And I think like in the book, I write 
in chapter or revelation, as I call them, because they were all, you know, revelations. In uh, chapter six, I write about guides in life. And I think that's been a real big part of me writing the book and, and all of us on our, on our journeys through life, finding our purpose or our spiritual paths, being able to be humble enough to listen to certain events or people or our intuition as guides in life to uh, sort of work our way along the path. There's so much to learn and then to grow and then to contribute with, isn't there? Yes, and I, and I think that um, I strongly believe in lifelong learning. And it was mm. really hard for me to to take a moment to stop learning for a little while in a certain sense of it from from other people and start to create. And I think that I, I have a few friends that are currently in that space of they've they've done the work, they've they've been learning for a really long time, and now they're in a creative space where they take everything that they've been processing and start to process it more but in the way of creating something so that others can learn from their experiences, which is so wonderful to see and to be a part of. The creative piece can get put back and back and back and back, you know, because you've got to be serious and responsible and, you know, follow all the the rules of society. But once you actually get to the creative space, that's where you do totally open up and be your best self, isn't it? Yes, yeah, and your truest self, I think, which is something I learned through writing the book is that, you know, it's often thrown around. You've got to, you know, be the best version of yourself. I think that it's important for us to acknowledge we need to be the truest version of ourselves. You've you've got to acknowledge all sides of yourself because, you know, we were spiritual beings having this human experience. And in this human experience, it's got, you know, the positive and the negative and, and, and nothing is really good and bad. It just depends on how you perceive it because of your experiences, which is something, you know, we learn in the yoga practice as well, which I write about in the book, is that um, it's really about your perception in life and and how you go about reacting to certain things in life. If you perceive it and react and keep in that spin of, you know, sort of focusing on problems versus, you know, outcomes and Yes. Yeah, it's where people get so bound up and you know, and I know like I've read so much lately on how much it also makes your body sick. You know. Definitely, definitely. Mm. Which and and so the reason why I aligned each revelation in my book with the chakras, which are these energy centers of the body, is because they are a way for us to notice not only what's going on mentally and emotionally in those centers, but also the physical manifestation as well. These parts that some people sort of separate. You know, some people separate emotions from thoughts from body, whereas I think that it's, you know, there are all these pillars of wellness. I listened to a podcast recently, uh, Brene Brown had interviewed these two lovely ladies, and they were talking about this emotional tunnel, and um, how to work through the tunnel and then come out the other side and to be able to do things to deal with the stressors. You know, as you know, my grandfather passed away from COVID uh, on the 12th and we were able to uh, be a part of his funeral because, I mean, I would obviously be there if I could in South Africa, but because of Zoom, there were over 100 people that were able to attend from all over the world that he, you know, knew his family in Adelaide, in New Zealand, in Holland, in the US, you know, and it was amazing to see all of these people on the Zoom at this beautiful service for celebrating my grandfather's life. I was so grateful in that moment for us to have had, you know, Zoom. 
And so not only was the service a way of doing that and the tears and being able to support my family, my mom, my gran, my dad, um, my brother in Sydney who couldn't get there either. We also, you know, bought uh, beautiful plants and planted it in the garden for him. So that was one of the ways we did it. I wrote a poem. That was another way that I processed the grief. So I think there's there's never only one way of processing emotion, doing doing a few different things. Like I, I love movements. It's something that I also use. So I did that as well and then and nature too. So uh, it's important to, I think, remember that you don't only have to do one thing to help you process emotion. Yeah, you've got to respect that emotions aren't just something you just switch on and switch off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They tend to mess with you if that's the way you're thinking. Yeah, yeah. So, Mish, this is a dark to light piece and I know we're going to talk further on this um, later, but I was just thinking maybe right now after we've just had that lovely conversation around emotions and, you know, your grandfather passing, just in terms of balance, you know, what's the dark to light piece that you have seen that you have learnt from something or you are still learning from right now and maybe some little tips that you've got on how you get by. Personally, in terms of life challenges and and well wellness challenges, health challenges, I have always felt really fortunate that my body has always been very healthy. Like I've always looked after my body. I became vegan in 2012 and um, I've always moved my body through the practices of yoga, I've always tried to keep a positive mindset and always tried to stay true to, you know, whatever was going on for me uh, in terms of missing my family and being in a country by myself trying to to make it work. But the hardest thing for me has has always been being away from my family and, and living in Australia for now 11 years um, away from my parents and, and my grandparents uh, and always uh, sort of longing for them to be near and to be close. And now at this time, it's I think a lot of people are experiencing with COVID not being able to be close. You know, I would give anything to be able to hug my parents, anything. <laughs> the biggest thing is, is that I've learned through that uh, is not taking anything for granted. My body, my mental health, the people that are in my life, really making time to connect with the people that I love, you know, every week. I have this thing where I, uh, as soon as I think of somebody, I have to contact them because I think to myself, uh, you know, they've come into my mind for a reason. And it's really interesting because often they'll say to me when I contact them, you couldn't have contacted me at a better time. You know, I think it's important if you think to yourself, I should get hold of this person that in that moment that you do that, just one text or message or phone call, you, I think you can sometimes fall into the trap of, I'll get hold of them, I'll get hold of them, I'll get hold of them, and then they're gone. I know that a few people in my family had experienced that with my grandfather. And then my, my cousin Harry passed away two years ago, and a few people experienced that with him as well. I think that uh, with family and with community, even with you know friends that are family, just people that are close to you and important in your life, just communication really enriches your life. You know, it makes you a brighter, happier, more loving person when you have a support system um, and you just reach out. Even if it's one person that, you you know, you message every second day, I think that it's, um, it can bring that light into your life. 
yeah, I think with um the COVID thing too, that there's a bit of a rebalancing of that ability to communicate better because I think we're so used to, you know, yes, you, you get together for Christmas or you get together mm. for an event, but there isn't any of that anymore. Like if you're living somewhere separately, you're not getting to go to a 21st or something like that where you'd normally gather. Yes. So it means that you're actually out there and you have to come up with a new way of being proactive to be the person you know, making the contact, not yes. hoping someone's going to contact you and then getting offended if they don't contact you. And- Dropping all the drama and yeah. uh, and just coming back to the the fact that, uh, you know, you, you need to put in the effort to, to nourish those relationships. I think that's, that's a really big learning to um to take. And, yeah, yeah. and you're, you're quite, quite a far away from your family. It's not like you're just you know, <laughs> up, up the road. No. <laughs> no, and, I, I mean, there's no flights into or out of South Africa at all. And as you would know, you know, there's this uh, apparently this new strain, which is very uh, strong, I guess you could say. And at the moment, I'm dealing with the fact that everybody in my family in South Africa, except my mum, has been tested positive for this strain. So, you know, there's nothing that I can do. So I make sure I talk to them every day. That's all you can do. Yeah. I appreciate that massively. Yeah, exactly. So, Mish, I feel like I'm going to finish this episode here because we're at the stage where we can talk about your book next and what your book has done or made a change in you in the, in your learnings as you write. So I know as you write or as I as I became a coach, they said you're coaching yourself first. So yes. in all of those spaces of all that putting words out onto paper is amazing the stuff that changes in your life. So I think we'll move on to that next week. And, yeah, I'm really, really keen just to hear yeah, where, where it's at and how are you going to get this out to the world. So I think everyone would be quite happy to pop back on to here as well. So Fantastic. thank you so much for today. That was, I said we could talk forever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Um, it's been absolutely wonderful talking with you, Susan. Like, uh, you know, I only sort of met you officially today, but I feel like I've known you forever. And that's a wonderful, it's a wonderful feeling, you know, like, like souls. <laughs> I think so, with Ray connecting the dots in between somehow. But it's- yeah, yeah, which is fantastic. Thank you, Ray, if you're listening. Thank you so much. <laughs> she will be. Okay, well, thank you so much, and, uh, and we'll get back next week. Awesome. Thank you so much, Susan.